0: Bible says, but he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. This is the text verse that people will use to try to convince you or me that we can lose our salvation. Why do they say that? Well, because it says, but he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. So you see, you have to endure. And there's something that you have to be able to keep. And if you don't endure and keep it, then you would lose it. Now, there is something to be lost here. But I'm going to put forth to you this morning, it has nothing to do with you or your soul. So what does it have to do with? Well, that's the purpose of the message this morning. Let's keep reading. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world. Now, let's stop right there and just say this. This is a clue because we don't preach the gospel of the kingdom. It is a gospel, and it was a gospel that was preached, and it will be a gospel that will be preached, but it doesn't have anything to do with the gospel that we preach, which is the gospel of the grace of God. We are to go out into all the world and preach the gospel. That is the exclusive gospel that is given to us to preach to tell someone how they can have their soul regenerated. Now, we did a message on the five Gospels, which when you see it, you know, when you see the title, it's a little bit of a clickbait title on purpose because we all know there's only one saving Gospel. However, to be fair and to be honest, you have to admit there were other good tidings There were other good newses that were proclaimed at different points in time. So that's just a little note on that gospel. The kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Now, as wonderful as that may be, to be able to have an audience of an entire nation, (laughs) look, we don't preach to nations. Who do we preach to? Well, we might have a big crowd downtown sometimes. We may have a big crowd in a church house when we preach the gospel. But by and large, it's a door knock here, a gospel track there, a one-on-one witness here, a group of students from tech that we're speaking to uh, about what? The gospel of the grace of God. How to have their soul regenerated. We're not preaching the nation. This here is a nation deal in Matthew 24. That's another clue that we we get from that. Verse number 15. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation. Spoken of by Daniel the prophet. Stand in the holy place. Who so readeth let him understand. Well, Daniel's a prophet. Daniel's people are the Jews. That's why it's called Daniel's 70th week. It's not called the church's 70th week. Verse number 16, Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Let him which is on the house housetop not come down to take anything out of his house, neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes, And woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days. But pray that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. For then shall great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world, to this time, no, nor ever shall be. What's going on here? What is it that can be lost? It's not a Christian soul. For eternity. Because we as Christians. Aren't here. During this time. What's being saved. Look at verse. Number. twenty-two. And except those days. Should be shortened. There shall no soul be saved. No. There shall no. Flesh be saved, but for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Look at verse number 13. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. Look at verse number 22. And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. The salvation that is being spoken about in Matthew 24 is very clearly and plainly put by the Lord. It is a physical salvation. It has absolutely nothing to do with someone's soul. It has to do with their flesh, their physical body. Everybody get that? Very get it. All right. I ask you to turn to Mark 13. Let's confirm what we just read. We want to allow the Bible to interpret the Bible in its proper context. And that's what we seek to do. Mark 13, verse 20. And except that the Lord had shortened those days, here it is again, no flesh should be saved. Same idea. And the last time that I checked, isn't it something we're going through Romans 7 and that struggle that Paul went through and is trying to get us to get a hold of as well? Isn't it something that When you got saved and when I got saved, our soul is fine. It's sealed. It's secured. It's eternally placed in heavenly places. We're seated with Christ, right? But our flesh didn't get saved, and it ain't saved today. It's a constant struggle to keep that flesh at bay. It's why God wants men to work. It'll keep us busy. It'll wear our flesh out for a reason. When we get older, we get weaker. Our flesh gets a bit worn out. Not necessarily a bad thing. Why? You can get some more wisdom from some of the saints that have been down the road longer than you or I have been down the road. Look at Luke twenty-one. Let's get the last cross-reference concerning the context here. Luke 21, look at verse number 17. Bible says, and ye shall be hated for all men for my name's sake, but there shall not an hair of your head perish. You know what the hair on your head is? It's a physical reference. And you know what's going to happen during this time of Jacob's trouble, Daniel's 70th week, people are going to have to survive physically and if you endure to the end, your flesh will be saved the hairs on your head won't perish it's no flesh in Matthew, it's no flesh in Mark and in Luke it brings out a confirmation, look, hair, hair not your soul, it's a flesh reference we all know John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not, what, perish, but have everlasting life. You say, Brother Jimmy, but, but I'm going to perish. Yeah, your flesh is going to perish. The lost person is going to say, look, I know people that perished. I'm going to perish. Yes, I understand that. But we're not. John three sixteen is not talking about what? Flesh. Matthew 24 is talking about flesh. Mark 13, Luke 21, flesh. Not for you. You know what's for you? John 3, 16. You know what's not going to perish when you believe on him? Your soul is not going to perish. John 3, 16 is about, is about your soul and my soul being regenerated and receiving the new birth. As a New Testament Christian, you and I are saved from sin. We are saved from sin and we are saved unto what? Eternal life. From sin unto something, eternal life. We are saved, Ephesians 2, by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is a gift, not of works. Lest any man should boast. You don't have grace. You don't have salvation. People say, I'm a Christian. How'd you become a Christian? Well, I just get I out of there. <laughs> the Lord <laughs> saved me by his grace. or well, you didn't get saved. Listen for that. Listen for the inserting of, well, I did this. Well, I think that, or I was brought up a certain way. All of that is works. It's not great. Our soul gets saved from sin by grace without works unto eternal life. That is the gospel we preach. But that is not tribulation salvation in Matthew 24. It's not. Because the flesh is saved from physical destruction. from physical death what are they saved unto you've got to split in your mind this physical salvation as opposed to a spiritual salvation and if you don't you'll get confused in Matthew 24 and think that somehow you've got to endure some things to keep your salvation one it's not for you it's for a people And you're not part of that people group. You have gotten physical survival happen. What is saved? Their bodies, their flesh, their physical life is saved. We are saved from sin, they are saved from death. We are saved unto everlasting life. They are are physically saved unto what? They receive entrance into the millennial kingdom. It's unto a physical land. That's what they are saved unto. How? by keeping commandments. They have to keep commandments. Go to Revelation chapter 12. Revelation twelve. Watch what it says in Revelation twelve, verse number uh, last verse, verse number seventeen. Revelation twelve, seventeen. And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Who is that? It's not us. These are identified as as, as they're, they're Jews. And you know what they're doing? They are obeying the commandments of God and they have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Go over to Revelation 14. Watch what it says in verse number 12 concerning this group. Revelation 14, verse number 12. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep what? The commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. You think Christians, you think New Testament Christians are the only ones told in the Bible to keep God's commands? I don't think so. You weren't back in Genesis 3. You weren't commanded to not eat of the tree. (laughs) But somebody was. Bible says in Genesis 7, Noah did according to all that the Lord commanded him. Well, God didn't tell you what he told Noah to do. In Genesis 21, Abraham circumcised uh, Isaac as God commanded him. God didn't command you to do that. You want to do it? Great, but don't claim a promise that God didn't ask you to claim. Moses and Aaron, they did as the Lord commanded them. And Exodus 20, showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. You weren't ever told to keep any Of the Ten Commandments that were given to the nation of Israel. Those were for that people group. Well, I never heard that. Well, you're hearing it this morning. Now, you've got every, every command except one restated in the New Testament. But this idea that we're going to try to get people to keep the Ten Commandments, not for it's not for the nation. It's it's not for you. It's, it was for the nation. You say we can go around and kill people. No, I'm not. Because God said he defi- Jesus said he defines murder more severely than physically killing someone. Have you ever hated somebody in your heart? Well, there's your there's your one of your ten commands you broke. You got hate in your heart. I know you flip people out when you start talking about their Ten Commandments that wasn't even given to them in the first place. Physical killing for a physical earthly people. You know what Jesus tells us? You're killing people in your hearts, And you're a murderer. you ever have hate in your heart? Guess what God says you are? Guilty of murder. But isn't it great we can wave the Ten Commandments and say, look, I never killed anybody. Except you did. When you hated your brother or you hated your sister. And God says you're a murderer. Do you think they should be in the courtroom? Whether they have them in the courtroom or not in the courtroom isn't the point. You know why they want them out of the courtroom? Because they don't want anybody to feel guilty about their sin. So the murderer walks in and he sees on the wall of the courthouse, thou shalt not murder. And you know why they want to take it out of there? Because they don't want that guilty guy to feel bad about what he did. That's why they want it down. Why did I say all? Oh. Because you and I have a heart issue. And we need to have our hearts made right, we need to have our soul regenerated. And this is why God ups the ante on those Ten Commandments through Jesus Christ our Lord. We should have those up. That's what I think we should have up. You ever witness to somebody and they say, well, I never murdered anybody? Well, they're pretty good. And what do you say? You know, Jesus said, if you hate somebody, you're a murderer. The heart of man always wants to justify himself and make him appear better than the other person. Well, I'm here to tell you, you're not better than anybody. I'm not better. than anybody. We've got a soul that needs to be regenerated. Israel, it's all about physical promises to a physical people on earthly land. And they're going to gain entrance into that earthly land by keeping commandments given to them by God. And that's the difference Matthew 24 brings out. And we got to get a hold of that. We're going to get confused about, well, what's for us? What's not for us? I'm sure you all know by now we take a pre-tribulation stance on end time. We're not going to go so far down this trail. We'll get lost in it. It won't be a bad loss. It'll just be off topic. But it preserves the doctrine of eternal security, which must be preserved. Because if you take a post-trib view, how are you going to deal with this verse that says you got to endure to the end? The pre-tribulation view preserves the doctrine. Of eternal security. Because we're not going through any part of this. To have to endure to keep anything. Because our salvation is not by works. So if we were left for. uh, Three and a half years. And then taken out before the wrath. Well guess what? There'd be a commandment that we would break. Because we probably. We've already broken commandments. We're already getting in there and we're sunk. Look, the church has got to be out. The church has got to be out. We were told not by works of righteousness. Church is gone. But. A couple notes here. Exodus 12 Passover was instituted and they kept it. They were redeemed by the blood of the lamb. The Lord brings them out of Egypt. And brings them out of the house of bondage It's a physical accident Right Preserve them Numbers 14 the children of Israel Murmured against Moses and Aaron Joshua and Caleb tell them Hey look this land is good It's a land floweth With milk and honey The Lord is with us Don't rebel against the Lord What are they trying to gain entrance into By obeying God Physical land Because they're a physical people, they're an earthly people. And because of their unbelief, the Lord said, your carcasses shall fall in the wilderness. What fell? Their bodies, their physical bodies, not their souls. You see the difference? Brother Jimmy, you keep hitting the same nail. I have to keep hitting the same nail so people understand the difference between Israel and the church. We've got to get this it says, your little ones, they shall know the land. It says, but as for you, your carcasses, they shall fall in the wilderness." It was about exiting a physical land and entering another physical land. That was Israel. They kept commandments. They were saved physically. Why didn't Joshua and Caleb... Why did they gain entrance into the land? Come on, help me out. Come on. Why? Because they obey God. Now the other ten had a different idea. So God said, fine. You fellas, you're not angel. Physical entrance. Physical entrance. Daniel's 70th week is the tribulation period. And the New Testament church is 100% absolutely gone. And God's going to turn his attention back to, what did we read in Matthew 24? Not individuals. Right now is individual time. God is turning his attention back to nation deal. It's a nation thing. Physical salvation, physical promises. It will be those that are faithful. There's going to be a physical kingdom on earth with Jesus Christ are we going to enter into that kingdom yes but we are going to come with Christ there's two aspects to his coming his feet do not touch down on melt olives at the catching away of the saints but you can't say rapture because people say well rapture isn't in the bible so okay fine when 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 Christ call, catches us away we are going to meet him in the air right Sister Lois, amen, we got wet, right? People have lost this. They've lost the blessed hope. He comes for us. We're caught up. We meet him in the air. Are we coming into the millennial kingdom? Yes, when he comes back for his second coming, he's not stopping in the air. His feet are coming down, touching ground on Mount and guess what? He is bringing us with him. One, he comes for his saints. The other, he comes with his saints. And in between that time, that seven-year period, we are not going to be there. Go to Matthew 25. Matthew 25, before I read the verses, let me me just quote you 2 Corinthians 11 2. The Bible says, For I have espoused you to one husband, I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. That's virgin singular. Look at Matthew 25, verses 6. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him, then all those virgins, that's plural, were called, we are presented as a chaste virgin singular to Christ. Matthew 25 is not in reference to us at all. These are virgins, plural, they're not the same. Then those, uh, all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. During the earthly ministry of Christ and in the Old Testament, virgins were never meant to symbolize the New Testament church. These virgins are in reference to the Jews. The reason why Matthew 24 and Matthew 25 get so convoluted and is made for the church is because replacement theology is taught that says... The church has replaced Israel. No, it has not. They are two distinct groups. And replacement theology will misrepresent who these virgins are. It's a false doctrine and it's wrong. These foolish virgins, look at verse number 10. We'll keep reading at verse 8 so we don't lose the flow here. And the foolish version, virgin, and the foolish son of the wise, give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you, but go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. Here we are in verse 10. And while they went out to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Why were they kept out? Well, we read right past it. Why were they kept out? Look at verse 7. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil. For our lamps are gone out. Why didn't they gain entrance? Because they didn't keep their lamps burning. And we can't go down this side trail either. But the whole, the oil is not the Holy Spirit. We got a playlist either on Sermon Audio or we got a playlist on, on YouTube. You just look up Matthew 24. We got them all there. Matthew 25. We got them all there. We go verse by verse through every single verse of those two chapters. We've got that in there somewhere Get that and sort all that out The Jews Are preparing To meet their bridegroom The Lord Jesus Christ During Daniel's 70th week And whether they have been prepared Or whether they have not been prepared Will be addressed At a judgment Which is called the judgment of Nations we are not going to be at the judgment of nations. Now, we have a judgment. It's called the judgment seat of Christ. But during this time in Matthew 25, we would have already gone through our judgment of the judgment seat of Christ. And that is happening, guess where? Here's the distinction again. It is happening in heaven. This judgment is a national judgment. that happens where? On earth. Everything about the church is completely opposite of Israel. Heavenly earth. How are we going to be judged? Based on our works. For what? Entrance into heaven? No, we're already there. We are in heaven. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. You know what that's about? Our judgment. You and I will receive rewards based on if what we did had eternal value and it was for Jesus Christ. Are you witnessing this week? Is it for you to win arguments or is it for Christ? Because one's going to be burned up at the judgment seat. The other one will be a reward you lay them all to feet of Jesus Christ. But, I mean, that's another message that that'll preach too. But we've got two, we've got different judgments. We've got to understand that. Um, look at Matthew 25, with verse 31. Hope this is not too much this early in the morning. but Look at Matthew 25, verse 31. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory, and all the holy angels with him. Then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory, and before him shall be gathered all nations. And he shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divideth the sheep from the goats. And he shall sh- uh, set the sheep on his right hand, with the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was in hunger and he gave me meat, I was thirsty and he gave me drink, I was a stranger and he took me in, naked and he clothed me, I was sick and he visited me, I was in prison and he came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him saying, Lord, when saw we thee in hunger and fed thee, or thirsty and gave thee drink, and when we saw thee a stranger and took thee in, or naked and clothed thee, or when we or when saw we thee sick or in prison and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, and as much as ye have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, that's the Jews. Ye have done it unto me. This is a specific reference to the Jews. I believe in visiting the sick. But not because I'm taking a verse out of Matthew 24 and applying. I've got other verses from the New Testament that are applied to us at the church. I believe that. I believe that I should do visits. I do. That's called pastoring and caring about people. I'm young enough. I'm healthy enough. I'm able to do it. Praise the Lord. And if I can't do it, another brother or another sister from the church has to step up and be able to do it. That's younger. younger. I believe in prison ministry, but not because of Matthew 25. This in Matthew 25, all of this is about how national leaders and how people are going to treat Christ's brethren during Daniel's 70th week because they're all going to be persecuted. They're all going to be deceived. They're all, it's going to be a hot mess. So how are you going to treat those people? Not for us for them. The Jews, his brethren. Let's keep reading. Then shall he say unto them, The left hand depart from me, ye cursed and everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was in hungered and ye gave me no meat. I was thirsty and ye gave me no drink. I was a stranger and ye took me not in naked and ye clothed me not, sick and in prison ye visited me not. You mean to tell me if you don't feed the hungry and give drink to the thirsty and clothe the naked if you don't do that now are you telling me that God's going to cast you into everlasting fire No he's not because that's not for you That's for how are the national leaders and those how are you treating my brethren question during that time of Daniel 7. Then shall they also answer him saying, Lord, we saw the, or we read all that in verse 40. Let's go to verse 45. Then shall he answer them saying, verily, I say unto you, inasmuch as much as did it not to one of the least of these, ye did it not to me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal.'" This judgment for nations happens where? On earth. When? At the end of Daniel's 70th week. That is before the millennial kingdom. How did you treat the Jews? That's what God's asking at this judgment. How did you treat the Jews during Daniel's 70th week? Because that is going to determine whether you are going to get physical entrance into the millennial kingdom or whether you're going to have entrance into hell. Now, if you make Matthew 25 for the church, you know what you got? Millions of people being cast into hell because they didn't feed and clothe the poor. I believe in taking care of my brothers and sisters in Christ. You need something, I want to be able to help you with that need. Either me personally, or me helping corporately, or me finding somebody that, I believe in that. I believe in that. I think we should do that. We need to take care of each other. Somebody's hungry. I'm going to give them a a bite to eat, but I'm not going to leave them there. I'm going to do something better. I'm going to give them the bread of life. And we rest this chapter to our own destruction when we want to give people that are thirsty water and not living. When we want to give people a sandwich made with Nice, healthy bread because they haven't eaten in a week, but we don't give them the bread of life. And we rest Matthew 25 to our own destruction, and we end up with their their belly is full and their palate is not thirsty anymore. But if they were to die, they would go to hell because they don't know Christ as their Savior. Look, we can't do that. If you had to give a a guy that was hungry a slice of bread or the bread of life, which one are you going to give him? I'm giving him the bread of life. Go ahead. I'd rather him die of hunger, although I don't want him to die of hunger, but I'd rather him die of hunger and be eternally with the Lord than live one more day because I fed him bread and he gets hit by a truck next week and dies and goes to eternal torment. You, you picking up what I'm trying to? I'm, I'm trying to put this down where, look, now, if we can do both, do both. But if you can do one, you know which one is the right one. So that's that judgment of nations. Remember, to close up, our judgment, judgment seat of Christ, it happens in heaven, not on earth. It's after the church is called up. It's based on the believer's work. And it's either loss of reward based on if it was done for Christ, did it have eternal value? We're already in heaven. It's not based on our entrance into heaven. We've already gained that because we have trusted Christ. We've received his imputed righteousness. Endure to the end. Not for us. For a different time, we're already caught up in that.